An Eye for an Eye podcast contains subject matters that many may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Beep, bop, boop, bop. All right, we're working now. Boop, bop, beep, boop. All right, all right, all right. We're back, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year and hello. It's 2018. That's fucking wild. But yeah, it's your girl, Lisa, and your boy, Maddie Ice. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yeah, we're here. Super excited to bring you another wild case. But, yeah, that's the fucking best. What was I going to say in this? I don't remember. We were going to ask for everybody that listens to please do us a favor and go online and review us right on now. Apple. Right now, pause, pause the podcast. Stop what you're doing. Scroll down to the bottom if it's on a podcast app, which, by the way, we are now on Stitcher, Podbean, uh, Apple's podcasting thing, Google Play. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Spotify. Spotify. We're on everything, so you have no excuse now. We made it! <laughs> so please, please, please go rate and review, and if you like the show, subscribe. But it's your Eye for an Eye podcast, and we're back bringing some some cases for the new year. It's an exciting time to be alive. What a time. What a time. How was your 2017, Matt? Let's reflect for a second. 2017 was one of the best years of my life, Lisa. How about Good. you? Mine could have been better, could have been worse. It wasn't... A badger definitely grew as a human being, definitely learned some shit. Could have been a little bit more exciting. I didn't do very much this past year, like traveling-wise, which is one of my passions. We went to Chicago and had a great time, though. That is true. I got locked out of an apartment and had to take a police ride to a hotel because of math, brother. My brother caused this. I was (laughs) MIA. I'm sorry. But, yeah, that all happened. Yeah, so... Let's get into it. We don't want to waste any more time. We want to get you guys these episodes and get them out because they're super wild. And so here we go. Here we go indeed. So we have a very intriguing case for you tonight. It starts on Saturday, May 25th, 1968, when three boys were in the woods looking for scrap wood to start a fire. They happened upon a boarded up house, looked abandoned, which they went inside to explore. Inside, they found four-year-old Martin Brown lying on his back by a window with blood and saliva trickling down his cheek and chin. They were panicking and called out to construction workers who were just outside who had actually seen Martin earlier that day and even recalled giving the boy some biscuits. But these workers tried to revive, but he had already been dead for several hours. And by the time the police arrived, they couldn't find any signs of violence but did notice a bottle of aspirin nearby. Thinking he might have gotten into the bottle somehow, they deemed Martin's death an accident, and the official cause of death was listed as open. Two months later, another little boy's body was found under similar circumstances. This is the case of Mary Bell. Now, Betty, are you saying that your daughter's innocent? No, I'm not saying she's innocent. But something must have made her do these things. Yes, something possibly must have made her do these things. What was it about her life and her family you think that could have driven her to these things? Maybe it's the arguments between my husband and myself might have had some inflict on her. I don't know. Have you been very despairing sometimes? Very despairing, very, very lot of, under a lot of strain. 
stress and grief from my daughter. I think the relationship between Mary and her mother was one of the key factors here. For those who aren't familiar, this case is super wild, to sit, lack of a better term, super yeah, wild. Very off the wall And you'll case see why here. here in a few seconds because... We do a lot of these cases, Lisa. <laughs> you're right. But if I love here, all of them. If you're here, you'll know that every know single I mean. one is wild. If you're true a true crime, crime junkie like I am, you probably heard of this case, happened over the pond... And, yeah, you probably would have heard of this case, but if you haven't, please listen up. And even if you have, this is where you come in as a listener. Right. Giving so feedback. I'd never heard of this case until you pointed it out to me several it's, months ago. I think it was yeah. is one of the ones you wanted to highlight. So I was like, oh, this is actually one of another, like, another one of those cases that I looked up on Crime Library back in high school. Mm-hmm. That, like, this is one of the ones who really got me catapulted into... True crime, and this is why. So, a little really bit of sticks background. with you, man. Really sticks with you. This one, it's one of those ones we're little, gonna talk about. Little preface, it sticks with you. We're gonna talk about it because this one has a lot of questions and a lot of, there's a lot of debate really on this case, and we're gonna go into that later, which is why this case is so interesting because there's so many different opinions on how the outcome should have been and what would be fair based on some little facts that we're gonna get into. Mary Bell was born on May 26th. <laughs> this is the shit that you do, and you don't realize, and then it picks it up, and I die when I listen back to this. You go, bloop, bloop, in, like, random-ass sections. So, anyways, born on May 26, 1957, Mary Flora Bell was born to a young mother named Betty. Now, Betty was 17 years old when she had Mary, and she was known around the area as a sex worker who was often absent from their home, as she did travel to Glasgow to work. So, she was... What we'd call a traveling parent. <laughs> yeah, not exactly. A young yes. traveling parent. A and young. there's nothing against young mothers. So many people make it work so well. However, in this case, unfortunately, little Mary did not have the best childhood. And we like to encourage financial and home stability before inducing children into the world. So That's it. But if you can't, we're not going to judge you. Nope. But please try. We just like to encourage you. Yes. And yeah. we will help you, if not hopefully. Yeah. we Help us help you. Help us help you. So... The identity of Mary's biological father is actually unknown because, as we said, her mom, Betty, was a sex worker. So, Matt, they didn't know who her father was. No. It's believed to be a man named Billy Bell, who was also a criminal, but that's not, there's no records to show that that's actually who is her biological parent. Now, by all accounts, in every bit of research I've ever done about this case, her early life, Mary Bell's early life, was very tragic. Very terrible. Very tragic. Multiple reports from her family members suggested that more than once, Betty, who is Mary's mom, attempted to kill Mary and make her death look accidental during the first few years of her daughter's life. So I'm talking like like zero to three, Matt. Like this was like early. And a lot of people actually thought that Betty Bell suffered from Munchausen by proxy syndrome, which is, for those who don't know, when uh, you intentionally make someone ill, most often your child, for sympathy and, I don't know, fame? I don't know. I don't know the like exact definition off by heart. I don't know if they want recognition out of it or some sort of gain financially, And they perhaps, like the, or... They like being um, toted on. You know, they like... Or doted. <laughs> toted. What the fuck? Toted. They like... <laughs> We're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> they like being doted on. They like that. They like that attention. Attention-seeking. That's what they are. So a lot of people believe that she did suffer from Munchausen by proxy. Like I said, she often tried to hurt Mary at a young age. 
actually a lot of reports said that she would try to make these like accidental so there's been an instance where it was reported that Mary Bell was had to be taken to the hospital to get her stomach pumped because she was chewing on Smarties, in quotes, that her mom gave her. Turned out to be, I believe, sleeping medicine. And she had to get her stomach pumped at, mm-hmm. at a very, very young age. And there was another time that drew alarm from her family members was when Mary fell, in quotes, from a window. That raised alarms because it, I guess the window was in a place where it wouldn't make sense for her to just randomly fly out this window. There, there, was, there was no provo- provo- provocation. There we are, provocation. <laughs> so at two years old, Mary was refusing to bond with others. So from a very early age, she showed signs of detachment, especially, and I'm imagining, due to her childhood. Not even, I wouldn't even call that a childhood, her infancy. She wasn't even able to She wasn't to even be a, child a developed yet. child, yeah. really. I mean, she was a toddler. She was two. Yeah. You know, and she was already behaving in a cold and detached manner towards other people. She never cried when she was hurt. She began lashing out violently. She even smashed her uncle's nose with a toy really hard. And, you know, sometimes, like, babies' arms will flail and they'll smack you with something. But people believe this was deliberate. It takes a lot of force to break somebody's nose. Yeah, yeah. She also, which I actually didn't know about this until I started digging and doing more research, Matt. She apparently witnessed her five-year-old friend get killed by a bus. Oh, that wow. was something I didn't know, but I think that has everything to do with things that started happening in this case. So Mary herself has actually described that she was the victim of not only physical abuse at the hands of her mom, but also sexual abuse. As we said, Betty was a sex worker, and I think especially in this time it was illegal in this area, and she reported her mom making her have sex with her clients starting from the age of four. If that's not the most disgusting thing I've ever heard in my life, I don't like I don't know what is. And we're gonna cover some really fucked up cases, but that is horrendous. Not only had she been, you know, seemingly poisoned by her mother, attempted to be killed by her mother, but she was also pretty prostituted out yeah. at the age of four. I can't even like it's no surprise that Mary Bell turned out the way she turned out. Right. If every by accounts she's telling the truth, then this is not even. She was lost long before anybody had a chance to save her. It and this like is going to bring me to another question I have about this case later on, which I'll bring up later. So basically, Mary was not dealt with. Shut up. Mary was not dealt a fair shake. And that honestly makes me so sad. It, it's so hard to see these cases happen to such young kids there are a because lot of it's cases. not fair. How, do, how does. Any, you know, if you believe in a higher power, how does any higher power let a child be born into such a monster's arms? That was Mary Bell's childhood from four and before. Mm-hmm. On May 11th, which, let's shout out, is my birthday. Whoop, whoop. So we've shouted this out before. Technically, it was 24 years before your birthday, so a whole I lifetime know, of yours before your crazy? birthday. Yeah, that's, wait, that's weird. That's weird. That, first of all, that you did your math that fast because I am inept. But yeah, in May 11th... <laughs> nice word, though. <laughs> Shut up. Okay, so on May 11th, 1968, again, my birthday, Mary Bell and her best friend, Norma Bell. Now, it is ironic that they have the same last name, but they are not related to each other in any way, shape, or form. And mm-hmm. Norma is a little bit older than Mary. Mary is the younger of the two. But they were playing with a three-year-old boy on top of an air raid shelter. Leftover from the war. Yep. And during their playtime, again, I'm putting this in air quotes... 
The boy was severely injured, but the incident was written off as accidental, which seems to be a theme in this case. And again, I think it's mainly because kids. Kids are rough with kids. Mm -hmm. I can count, and you could probably count a gazillion times when you got in a fight with, you know, your friends or even your brother and my brother, where Mm -hmm. it started out as a play and ended up where one of us was in tears or had a bloody nose or, you know, something was, like, pulled out of place. Shit happens. Yeah, and so I think that's a sad part about this because I feel like if, if... it's hard. How would they have ever known what was to come? Like I said, it was written off as accidental, that case with that boy on top of the air raid shelter. But the next day, on May 12th, the mothers of three young girls informed the local police that Mary had attacked and choked their kids on the playground. So this little girl is very clearly disturbed. Yeah, there's obviously something going on here mentally. I mean, yeah, there's she's... something is not right. Yeah, she's seeking out violence and mm-hmm. against kids... Her own age and younger, mm-hmm. so you're already wondering what What's is her inclination on, yeah. to violence. It's obviously stemming and from her, her own life. her name keeps coming up in all of these incidents. Right. And again, this attack on the three girls led to a lecture by the police, but no formal charges were made against Mary because, again, again I these think are, they are kids, up. yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that, I don't know. But at, at that point, when you've heard enough things... Although, somewhere in England in 1968, we got to assume that their record-keeping probably wasn't top-notch right. for children's criminal cases. Let alone, I'm sorry, not even criminal cases, like an incident reported yeah. to somebody is like being... Even now, though, do you think this would be taken ser- more serious than, uh, oh, he just pushed or choked out my daughter on the playground? Here's the thing. It's difficult to say because on today's day and age of Facebook and the internet, mm-hmm, it could be a video of somebody posting their kid getting bullied and meanwhile being being a white supremacist and trying to get money out of you. We don't know. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. That's a terrible story, man. You hate to hear we'll, stuff like we'll that. But that we'll probably talk that. about that, too, at some point. But anyways, so, so it in today's day and age, we don't know. I mean, it could be, you know, it, it could be nothing. Yeah, in, in different circles, it could go one of two ways. You know, that's how it goes. Some people would ignore it and say, hey, toughen up, man. You know, go back and... I know, my dad would have said, put it that way. Yeah, same. He wouldn't have called the school. There wouldn't have been anything like See, that. See, my mom and my dad would have dealt with this differently. My mom would have Absolutely. called the school and yeah. I'm done the My mom would have... My dad would have yeah. been like, punch him back. My mom would have tried to be like, well, did you tell anybody? And I would have been like, no. Yeah. And she would have told me to tell somebody. And my dad would have said, I won't say. Yeah. But unfortunately, Mary obviously did not have a very supportive or she present did not. mother. Right. No, her mother was not around. So, after... Mary has been obviously introduced to the local police. Now, this leads up to May 25th, 1968, Martin Brown's discovery, when one of the three boys noticed that 10-year-old Mary Bell and her friend Norma Bell were walking up towards the house. And he recalled Mary saying to Norma, should we go up, one of these kids. So Mary and Norma then went over to Martin's aunt's house to tell her that there had been... (laughs) Sorry, I... (laughs) I made a typo on it. It makes it look funny. <laughs> does Oh, yeah, it does say Did oh. you not even realize that? No, I didn't. I just kind I of I thought that's why you paused a little bit. No. I was just, it, it was there like a glare on the page. That's why <laughs> I didn't even see it. I couldn't even see it. It was like bent and there was like a glare. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I saw H-O-U. It was like a uh, curvy thing. <laughs> okay, so, so Mary and Norma went over to Martin's aunt's house to tell her that there had been an accident and they thought that it had been Martin. And they said there was blood all over, and they would lead her to where the crime scene was. But when the police arrived, they couldn't find any signs of violence, but did notice a bottle of aspirin. 
and thinking that he must have gotten into the bottle of aspirin, they deemed Martin's death as an accident and that the official cause of death was still listed as open, inexplicable. So Mary and Norma continued to harass Martin's aunt, though, saying things like, Do you miss Martin? Do you cry for him? Does June, his mother, Mm -hmm. miss him? And always had some weird smiles across their faces by accounts. It was almost like they... And this is an MO, really, of these cases. It was almost like they were taunting and semi-kind of trying to brag right. in a weird way. You know what I mean? It was like they were taunting him. Like, obviously, they knew this boy is deceased. Right. Yet they're harassing his family and were saying, do you miss him? Like, do you think yeah. Like, do you think about him? Do you, like, like, you know, I mean, do you, imagine, do you imagine somebody asking you after a family member had died after. if you missed him and do you think about him? And it just gets worse with, you know, as we go on. As, as Yeah, you know. this is just this the is preface to it, but... Do you, like, imagine someone coming up to you saying that? I, I think I'd be pissed. If it was a little kid, I'd still probably, I'd probably be like... sock him in the face. Yeah, I'd be like, you know what? Get get away from me. Yeah, and yeah, so we, we clearly know there's something off here. They're too audacious yeah. for this to just be normal. And then a day later, mm-hmm. on May 26th, Norma's father catches Mary choking Norma. Which is her best friend, mind you. Her best friend. So clearly her actions and, aren't limited to stranger right. kids on the playground. Potential partner in crime here, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Later that same day, a nursery school was vandalized. Notes found in that school, and please forgive us here, we have to read. But Okay, yeah, so just a preference before Matt starts to try to decipher these notes. Basically, as Matt was saying, the, ner- the um, a preschool was vandalized, and... Inside the vandalized school, they found a bunch of notes, like, strewn throughout the place as part of the vandalism. Didn't know who these were from, don't know, really don't know what the fuck they were saying, but they are spelled horrifically wrong. And I really want Matt to read them, like, the way they're spelled. Mm -hmm. Because you can very well tell from these letters that this is not an adult writing. And and if you look at the letters, which they are, there's, like, pictures of them online, you can tell this is 100% from a child. Or someone pretending to be a child. Right. So, take so it away, Matt. Yeah. I am going to <laughs> add a little twist and include the English accent that they were written yes, in. Yes, yes. Oh, wait, I'm so... <laughs> I can't wait to try to hear you decipher what okay. the fuck this says. You ready? Bear with us. All right. <laughs> Hold on tight. Here we go. Fuck off. We murder. Watch out, Fanny and Faggot. We did murder Martin Brown. Fuck off, you bastard. You're Micey, you be cursed, we murdered Martingo Brown. You Betty, look out there, murder's about by Fanny and Faggot, you screws. <laughs> I murder so that I may come back. Wait, I love that you say you screws. I'm going to start calling people you screws. I love that. You screws. That's a great insult, to be Fuck honest. Fuck off, you screw. <laughs> I want to read that again when it I wake up every morning. It is interesting to note, though, that th- these are young girls. I don't know if we've actually ever explicitly stated how how old she was. So she was 11 years old, mind you. Mary Bell was 11 years old when these notes were written, which, at this point, we don't know who wrote these notes. But during all of this, keep in mind, Mary Bell's 11, Norma Bell is 12. 12. So, four days after those <laughs> fucking notes were found, which were beautifully, dramatically read Thank by you. Matt, 
Um, they were a bit more Scottish. I just kind of <laughs> had that feel. You know? Stretch that's, over That's what I was imagining the when I read it. The spirit grabbed you. It, you know what it was? The fuck off. That's what it was. <laughs> it spun it out of control. It just took a downhill turn. So they me. aren't from Scotland. An uphill turn to the Highlands. All right, <laughs> let's, let's move on. So four days after um, the vandalism was found, Mary Bell again appeared at the residence of Martin Brown's mother, asking the grieving mother to see Martin. Now... Obviously, from an outsider's point, because Matt and I have been talking about this since we brought up the first time she started harassing his aunt, right. this seems to be an MO, but to the mom at this point, she did not catch on that this was a sinister act, really. They, they thought they were genuinely concerned or young and curious about what was going on. Obviously, this death kind of shook the town, and so I don't think at this point the mom and the aunt realized what Mary Bell was doing. Yeah. So she went over to Martin Brown's mom's house and went to the door and said, can I see Martin? And, of course, his Martin's mom looked at Mary kind of bewildered and said, um, you know, no, sweetie. He's uh, dead. Yeah, Martin is dead. And she said, this is what Mary Bell fucking said back. She said, Oh, I know he's dead. I just wanted... Well, let me start to read this in a British accent. I don't even know how to do British accent anymore. Oh, I know he's dead. I want to see him in his coffin. <laughs> he sounds so proper. Um, That's yeah. how it's supposed but to she sound. She said that. She said, oh, I know he's dead. I wanted to see him in his coffin. Now, real quick, if you know this case, you know that there's stuff about it everywhere, but I wanted to play a little clip of Martin Brown's mom talking about this. I said, wait, well, you, you can't see Martin Martin's dead. She's... Oh, she says, I know he's dead. She doesn't want to see him in his coffin. With that, I slammed the door in her, face, in her face and I just collapsed behind the door. And my husband had to come get us and had to send for the doctor. So that's where we're at. Basically, that's the point that, that Martin Brown's mother realized that, you know, this girl has some kind of issue. There's just a sick little girl because... For her to come to Martin Brown's mother's, grieving mother's house, the day of his funeral. Because it was the day of his funeral because he was in his coffin. It was, like, the day that they... Because I don't... I guess how they did it was they would have, like, a viewing in the house, I think. And then go ahead and, uh, you know, do the funeral. And that's when she showed up. So, it's a little sick. It's a little twisted. I mean, fuck, it's a lot twisted. It's It's a lot twisted. And it's... Again, remember her age. That's a huge... Huge part in the way this very, plays out. Yeah, it's bananas. Very, bananas. Si- very sinister. Yes, very, very sinister. Great word. So, unfortunately, this is not the end of Mary and Norma's reign of terror in the small town. On July thirty first, nineteen sixty eight, so just a few months later, mm-hmm. the girls ended up strangling three year old Brian Howe in a wasteland this in the same area that Martin Brown was also found dead in. Now, Mary Bell, of course, because this is her M.O., she has to be involved somehow in the accident. This is a very important thing to remember. It's a typical trait of something that we're going to bring up here in a little bit that I want everybody to now keep in mind. I'm glad Lisa said it because it is really critical to remember here. Yeah, so she's been inserting herself in every single case that's happened. Um, and I've, I've actually read that in pictures of the crime scenes, you can see her kind of in the background of everything. At the funeral, she's in the background. In the investigation, she's in the background. It's creepy. So anyways, 
Mary Bell went and told Brian's sister that he might be playing on a heap of concrete blocks that were in a nearby vacant lot and that she needed to check on him. So, again, this played to Mary's sadistic nature of involving herself in each of the cases. Of course, as predicted by Mary, Brian's body was found at the scene that Mary described to Brian's sister. He was found on a heap of concrete, concrete blocks that were in a nearby vacant lot. So, so basically what happened is they did tests on Brian and they realized that he died from asphyxiation because his death was the one that made a medical examiner believe a child was responsible for committing the crime. Because basically what happened is that he, was, he died from strangulation and then it was said that reports said that the killer, whoever killed Brian, went back to the scene of his body and carved an M into his stomach and also defiled um, with scissors. He cut off some of his hair, scratched his legs up, and actually mutilated his penis. So, like I said before, this is... Brian's death is what made medical examiners realize that there very well could be a child committing this crime. And the reason being is because the cuts found on Brian's body were used were made with such little force that they figured that it had to have been someone that wasn't very strong, that was very weak, and it seemed to match the idea that a child killer had had done this. Which is just sinister, really. The whole, like Matt said, this whole thing is very sinister. In this case, especially because she, the, the whoever did this, went back to the scene. To the scene. To create more damage. Right, to do more to the body to defile it worse, which is, again, another sign that we want Mm -hmm. you to remember here. And they said that there was no definitive evidence on Brian's body that he was sexually assaulted with any weapon, but they do think it's a very big possibility. High likelihood. Especially because of the damage done to his general area with scissors. Mm -hmm. So, all right, let's get into everything here. So. Yep, so Mary was actually... Suspicion grew around Mary and Norma when a questionnaire was handed out to local children to help determine all the locations of kids in that age group, pinpoint where they were during the time that Brian's death Because like we said, medical examiners said all signs point to someone under the age of, what, 15? Probably under the age of 10, honestly. (laughs) I mean, I think at that point you're you're not developed enough. But so, yeah, they were... 11, 12-year-old girl. So, yeah, probably pre-adolescence mm-hmm. they were looking for. They handed out a questionnaire to all the kids in Which the area. Which is kind of an interesting way to do things. It is. Nowadays, they could probably do it all digitally. But, yeah. you know, it's an interesting way. Have you ever heard of, like, police handing out a questionnaire? Like, normally, I have heard they of that. would physically, like, question the kids. But I've never right. heard of them, like... When I hear questionnaire, I think of, like, they handed a piece of paper and said, like, where were you at this time? Like, for larger neighborhoods, I have heard of things similar to that. But typically, okay. it's a voluntary thing. Yeah. It's not... Hey, smart move on the police's part. I mean, if they thought that that was going to help them crack what's going on here. Right. Right. Yeah. And it it ended up working because actually bringing them in for questioning seemed to solidify that something was going on between them. Mary had a a completely different story from what Norma had. And Mary claimed that they had seen an older boy abusing Brian. And after several hours of questioning, however, Norma ended up breaking down, uh, changing her story several times and admitting that she had watched Mary kill Brian. So at this point, um, like Matt said, they basically realized that these two girls, of all the questionnaires they handed out, their stories didn't make sense as to where they said they were going to be. And then when they brought them in for questioning, as Matt said, 
Mary made some bullshit up because she's manipulative. And Norma, who is the older of the two, but seen as the weaker of the two, broke down and was like, I watched Mary kill him. So yeah. at this point, they have a confession from one of them. Jack, well, a... Uh, she said Mary did it. So like a... Accusation. A, accusation, I guess. Thank you. Words always slip my mind. It's all right. Um, so, yeah. So that's how we found out that an 11 and 12 year old may or may not be responsible for the death at least of Brian Howe because that's who they were investigating at that point like I said or like we said before Martin Brown's death was ruled a accidental like they thought he got into a bottle of aspirin and took too many and died that way so at this point it's just Brian Howe's case that's being investigated Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right so during the trial it was Justice Cusack that was overseeing the case, and it began actually on December 5th, 1968, lasted nine days. Mary's mother, Betty, attended the trial every day and actually disrupted the court proceedings several times with over-the-top wailing and sobbing, dramatically storming out of the room, and during the trial actually dramatically appearing moments later. So clearly she's an attention whore. Right, obviously trying to bring attention to herself and away from the trial going on. It's kind of funny that she showed up at all because she was pretty much a horrible mother to begin with for Mary Bell in the beginning and was part of the abuse and probably arguably part of the reason Mary turned out the way she did. Right. Um, So it is interesting but you'd think maybe it's the Munchausen by proxy syndrome type of thing kicking in and Betty would do anything for attention and this is the perfect way to get attention. A trial that's shaking the nation because of the ages of the people accused. Right. What better way to get attention than to be the mother of one of the girls accused? Absolutely. And clearly she's exploiting her daughter again. Crazy. Again. So Norma, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, was surrounded by a much more sympathetic family. Uh, She was the third of 11 children, actually, so they had a large family. And apparently, from all accounts, during court testimony, reacted to evidence and anything said about her as more of a child with fear... Tears. Honestly, more of a normal reaction. Normal reaction for a child accused of murder. And then it was said during trial, though, that Mary and Norma seemed to have some unfathomable connection. Nobody could really explain why, but they would turn and look at each other, and their eyes would lock, and their faces would be bare and just kind of expressionless. It was like they were communicating with each other via their eyeballs. Yeah, yeah, sharing some silent expression that people didn't understand, but they were very close. A lot of people who witnessed them when they would glance at each other said it was almost as if Normal was still kind of afraid of Mary. Because during this whole thing, you'll see that Mary was kind of, well, is the ringleader, and then Normal was the follower, even though she was older. So the reports that I read from doing the research on this part of the case at least, was basically when people witnessed them look at each other, it was almost like Norma was scared of Mary, like, I'm going to say something wrong. But then at the same time, they would point the fingers at each other instantly when they were on the stand. Right. But when they were sitting, isn't that kind of, that's creepy to me. It's almost like, it's what, also creepy. what game were they playing at, yeah. amongst themselves with everyone else? And it else? just shows, like, Mary's control over Norma. Right. Because, like, even just a glance looking at Norma, it, like, you could tell it shook Norma to the core. Like, if I say something wrong and somehow we both get out of this, this girl's going to come after me. She already has once. She's already choked me out once, maybe more times. Only once that was caught. 
So it's one of those things that, like, I do believe there was a genuine fear there or some sort of odd connection, like you said. Right. I don't know. I can't, I mean, I don't know if telekinesis is a thing (laughs) even. So I don't think that's it. But I'm pretty sure that there must have been some... I kind of thought, did they have some prearranged agreement going into this? That what's going to happen? And I feel like they might. I mean, I feel like with the amount of seemingly thought and like, um, uh, fuck, what's the word? The word where like you're, you pre-plan something like the preempt. Yeah, like the preemptive nature of these crimes. Like it seems like Mary had an idea in her head how she wanted things, but including going to the houses and harassing people, going to the nursery and leaving, you know, notes because that was like excuse me, later found out to be Mary and Nora's, Norma's doing. They were the ones who vandalized the nursery, left those letters saying they did it, like basically incriminating themselves. Obviously, they're kids, so I guess they figured they'd never be caught. Right. But it was also interesting because during the trial, they had this bond, but there were many moments of seemingly betrayal between the two girls during the trial. Right. It, it, when one was on the stand and the other was in the audience, which I don't understand. I, I thought normally they separate because they're trying them separately, technically, aren't they? I don't know. I'm not sure if they not, tried them as accomplices or now. not. Like, it is. I don't know how, honestly, England England's justice system is a little different. And it's... Because isn't that interesting that they had them both in the courtroom together? Maybe it's because their ages. Could have been. I don't... Yeah, also because it's family court. And uh, I don't know what family mm-hmm. court is over there as compared to what it is here yeah. either. So, and this was the 1960s or 70s. <laughs> yeah, you're right. We got to so, remember the time. Yeah. Now they'd probably be in cages and on a screen. Um, but basically what would happen in these moments of betrayal, or seemingly betrayal, it was reported that it seemed like this was kind of betrayal, is when one would be on the stand and they would hear the other, you know, ac- they, so basically it turned into a finger-pointing game. Norma said that Mary was the mastermind. Mary said Norma was the mastermind. Obviously... Norma was acting more quote-unquote normal during the trial. She was but showing would, emotion, but they had this... They would comment back and mm-hmm. forth from the gallery yeah, about they each would, other's... they would scream when one of them would say something that yeah. was, like, ridiculous. Norma would be crying, and, and Mary would get angry mm-hmm. and yell out in the middle of the trial. I mean, so it was very yeah. unorthodox. And it was interesting because they would glare at each other. When they would accuse each other, they would obviously comment. Sometimes they commented audibly... But in Norma's case, like we've said before, she reacted more of a scared child. She would cry and shake and get visibly upset when Mary would say, this was Norma's idea. However, when Norma would call out Mary, Mary would audibly say, no, like, you're a liar. No, no, no. That's not the way this worked. She would she would get really angry, whereas it looked like Norma was more scared. It wasn't like, it wasn't, it didn't feel from the research that I've done that Norma was angry. It felt like Noema was scared. And Mary, however, was the one that was angry when the fingers were pointed at her. Right. So it was a very interesting dynamic in the courtroom because, like we said, sometimes they were caught looking at each other where it felt like they had this unspoken bond and, and um, loyalty to each other. And then the other times they were going against each other and, like, to quarrel. Like yeah, a quarrel. Like an arguing couple. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Like a, yeah. I feel like this is how, like, people in abusive relationships would react to each other. Yeah. Have that bond, but also try to save their own ass and, and tell the truth or lie or whatever. Right. So eventually, because of all of this, 
um, hullabaloo going on during the trial with them, with Mary screaming out, Norma getting so visibly upset she couldn't talk. The judge prohibited contact between the two girls during the trial. So he put a stop to that pretty quickly because it was getting in the way of obviously the jury's ideas of what was going on. And it seemed more of to be a production instead of a productive trial. Now, the jury, which consisted of five women and seven men, took under four hours to return a verdict. On December 17, 1968, Norma Bell was acquitted of all charges but was later given three years probation for breaking and entering the Woodlands Crescent Nursery, which is what they vandalized, and placed under psychiatric supervision. Which is kind of strange. I mean, I get it because I do feel like she should have been punished for any part in this for even witnessing a crime, but clearly she was under the spell of Mary Bell. But I wonder about the psychiatric supervision part. That's a little interesting to me. I don't know what that has to like, um, what that means. We don't know how Do you think it's because it seems it like Mary had her like under a mind control type of thing? No, I think obviously she had some psychiatric repercussions from this. Maybe that's not the right way to phrase that, but I think there was definitely some issues yeah. that were stemming from all of this. Absolutely. I don't know if she necessarily was receiving full-time round-the-clock care. But definitely was under some sort of... Some psyche, yeah. yeah. There was probably a therapist that she spoke to regularly and people that tried to keep her... How could you not? I mean, you've witnessed two boys be murdered. Two murders, right. And And she's 12. I don't think we mentioned this, but because of the similarities between Brian Howe's death and Martin Brown's death, they did realize the cases were connected and ended up realizing that these girls were responsible for both of them. I don't think we mentioned that, but I guess I thought it would be implied. But I wanted to make that clear. The cases were found to be connected. And this is kind of creepy. Well, really creepy. But the way they were connected, listen to this shit, Matt. (laughs) Ew, it's just so creepy. Like, if you see your kids start to draw weird shit, take it somewhere. Take them to a therapist. Yeah. Because the way they caught her is they found a drawing in, I think, one of her journals of the crime scene of Martin Brown, which, by the way, was a closed crime scene. It wasn't open to the public. It wasn't in the news or anything. With the bottle of aspirin labeled Mm -hmm. tablets next to his body. So she drew out the crime scene that only the killer would know the items in that room because, like I said, it was a closed off crime scene. They weren't, they didn't release any information about it to the public. So that's the way I think that they figured out that these two, one, were connected, they died similar circumstances, and two, who else would have had knowledge that? The, the bottle of aspen would have been in that position near the body. And she drew it out. It's creepy. You should, we'll post it on her Instagram, um, which is Pod if you guys were wondering. Mm. But, yeah, so that that's how they connected the cases, which I found really creepy and interesting. And it's creepy because kids draw crazy shit all the time. And right. you have to wonder, like, where their minds where are. Where are their minds it's, getting this stuff? It's a little... It's Just keep an eye on your kids when they're drawing some stuff. So, Norma Bell was acquitted. However, Mary Bell wasn't so lucky. So she was brought up on charges of manslaughter based on diminished responsibility. I looked this up because I was interested in how in the world this happened or what that meant. Even though I'm obsessed with crime, I don't always understand the 
the terminology behind the sentencing or why or how that would have been what they were charged with versus this other thing. So I looked up diminished responsibility and diminished responsibility says that it's an unbalanced mental state that is considered to make a person less answerable for a crime and is recognized as grounds to reduce the charge. That conclusion was met after the jury heard testimony from Mary's court-appointed psychiatrist who described Mary should the classic signs of psychopathy. Psychopathy is defined as sometimes being synonymous with sociopathy. That does not mean they are the same de defined, but psychopathy, which is what we're talking about because that's what the psychiatrist said that they believed Mary was afflicted with. Would that be right? Afflicted? It would be, afflicted. Yeah. Um, is traditionally defined as a personality disorder characterized by persistent antisocial behavior, impaired empathy and remorse, and bold, disinhibited, ego egotistical traits, which is what we saw through her harassing the families, her bragging when she vandalized the nursery, right. her, you know, and, and it was said that she Lack had actually remorse. threatened kids on the playground saying, you know, I killed Martin Brown, and they just laughed it off because they knew she was a bully and she's a little, the, the nuts were loose in her head. Right. So, but she did say that it was reported that she bragged about it to kids, but they just kind of wrote it off as this girl is just a bully and mean and we're not dealing with it. Now, um, Judge Cusack described Mary as a dangerous individual and believed she brought a grave risk to other children. And I wrote in parentheses in my notes, which I find kind of funny, duh. Duh. Because, duh, this girl has is known to the police for choking out children, including her best friend, has been tied to two murders of little boys. Uh, clearly, she's a risk to kids. Clearly, she attacks people who are weaker than her, whether that be her best friend or a stranger. And she attacked two young boys. So, very clearly, she, I just don't know why that was even, like, a statement that he would make as a judge. Like, of the obvious... I mean, I guess you have to make the obvious statements, but... Duh, she's a risk to kids. Hell, no, keep her away from all fucking kids. Court psychiatrists described Mary as an intelligent, manipulative, and very dangerous child. Which goes back to Matt's point earlier. Which would be some of the characteristics some would say of sociopathy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The mm -hmm. lack of remorse. Yeah, and, and egotistical and having this charisma. and also the ability to blend into mm -hmm. a lot of different types of situations. Sociopaths are often being characterized as being very much equitable. It's, it's easy mm -hmm. to talk to them. They can talk to anybody they fit in well, but at the same time, they're very cold, very withdrawn, very difficult to, to maintain too much with. But they're easy to talk to. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I, I, it's hard to explain because how can somebody be distant and also be nice to you? Mm -hmm. And we'll see these traits in but a lot of But you'll see these traits. Yeah, they there yes. are... And a lot of the times it is said in the research that I've done on sociopathy, at least not psychopathy, I haven't done much research into that, but a lot of times people say that obviously not all sociopaths are dangerous, even though they lack the ability to empathize, but a lot of them have jobs such as CEOs, have like top executive jobs because they're able to to detach from the people working underneath them, make the hard decisions, manipulate the system. Yes, so it's it's kind of scary to think about that. Getting back on to Mary's case, this is something I found really interesting because I've never heard of it before. I don't know if you have, Matt, but basically, when Mary was sentenced, because she was sentenced, she was sentenced to be detained at Her Majesty's pleasure 
which is effectively a term that is used to describe indefinite sentence of imprisonment. Now, I've never heard Her Majesty's Pleasure, but basically it has to do with the tradition of, like, the queen, you know, the queen making the final say. In yeah, the it's basically saying that at her, mm-hmm. at her Majesty's Pleasure is just saying whenever she decides to yeah. let you go, you can go. Yeah. When I looked up Her Majesty's Pleasure, like Matt said, it's used where there's a great risk of reoffending, but it's most often reserved for juvenile offenders because it's a substitute for life sentencing. So it's not saying we're going to keep you here forever because a lot of people do believe that's unjust, especially with such a young age, um, which we, we heard in the Santoya Brown case even recently. It, she did get a life sentence, and she was under the age of 18, so not a legal adult, when she committed her crime. So this is England's way. I don't know if they have this in the U.S. Do they? Do they do that in the U.S.? I don't think so. I don't believe so. But this is the way of in England, instead of saying, we're going to keep you for life, you have a life sentence with, you know, possibility of parole in 25 years or no possibility of parole. This is them saying, we're going to keep you in indefinitely. It That does not mean you're going to get out, and that does not mean you aren't going to get out. We're just keeping you indefinitely. Mary was initially sentenced and sent to Red Bank Secure Unit in St. Helens, Lancashire. 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 Now, Lancashire. Lancashire. I should know that because I have my best friends in England, but whatever. Lancashire. And she lives in Cheshire, so I should know that. I read that for whatever reason, I don't remember the exact reason they said, but she was initially sent to the all-boys ward. For whatever reason, they kept her away from from girls. And I didn't under, 100% understand that, but she, I guess she was seen as more of a threat, and they didn't want her to pick on smaller girls, so they put her in a boy's... Uh, institution. Mary's hostility had almost a naive quality reported by the guards. While she was in the St. Helens Red Bank Secure Unit, she found a stray cat and grabbed it tightly by the neck. And one of the guards saw her do this and said, hey, you know, put the cat down, don't hurt the cat. And Mary replied to the guard, said, oh, she doesn't feel that. Anyways, I like hurting little things that can't fight back. What? Yeah, what? what? Can you imagine as a guard hearing like a 12-year-old girl say this? Because at this point, I'm sure it's been like a year or so. Can you imagine hearing a little kid say that? Be like, child. That would make the hair on my back, the back of my neck, not my back. What the fuck? The hair on your back? The hair on the back of my neck stands up. I don't have a hairy back, you guys. I'm good on the back hair. Just checking. (laughs) So the reason they say that it has almost a naive quality because it was almost like she didn't understand the the implications of what she was doing, even though seemingly she did at the same time. Now, there was another incident in, in custody that a policewoman said that Mary said that when she gets out, if she ever got out, she would like to be a nurse. And when the guard pressed her and, you know, is making small talk as to why she said that she would like to be a nurse, Mary's response was, because then I can stick needles into people. I like hurting people. So she doesn't understand the whole nurse thing, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Except unless you talk about, like, angels of death, which are, like, nurses who kill people. We'll do a couple of those. Yeah. They're, they're scary. That, I think that's almost scarier than a child committing crimes because those are people you're trusting mm-hmm. that are just, like, Munchausen by proxy type of things. Right. But so she, I don't know. She clearly, there's everything. She's, <laughs> I can't even make a sentence about her. She clearly has traits of sociopathy, psychopathy. She has these traits. She She's just very cold, callous. It's just 
a lot, a lot. So, as Matt She about, fits the bill is yeah. what we're getting at. <laughs> as Matt spoke about and as you would imagine, Mary's case became the focus of a great deal of attention from the press. Obviously, this was due in part to her age. So it was said that Betty Bell, which is obviously Mary's mom, who, like, Matt was touching on earlier, would, like, like gobble in the courtroom and, like, make some weird noises and scream and wail and cry and be very dramatic. Um, she actually repeatedly sold stories about Mary for profit. Mm-hmm. This woman very clearly has some something wrong with her as well. And wanted, it just would do anything to profit off of her daughter's whatever, demise, successes, whatever, you could just tell that she, all she wanted was fame, money, you know. So that, that is sad to me. Yeah, but, it's pathetic, really. Mm-hmm. But. So the traits of sociopathy and psychopathy, and sociopathy is just something I'm saying based on the traits that I know about it, but they did say she had traits of psychopathy, which, like I said, sometimes can be seen as very similar to sociopathy, although it is not the same thing. Um... But basically, in 1970, it was said that, like I said, Mary was in an all-boys prison or unit. She fabricated charges of indecent assault against one of the guards. But, of course, this was found to be untrue, and the, the guard was acquitted in court, although he did lose his job. And in 1972, so two years after this false accusation, she began provoking the boys and would sneak into the boys' dormitory at night. And this time, around this time, 1972, they also noticed she started to self-mutilate. She would cut herself. So there's just a lot going on here. There's a lot to digest. Obviously, this this little girl is not having... There's just not... There's everything is wrong. (laughs) Her whole life is messed up. Literally, everything is wrong. Everything is going on. So... Count your blessings. Yeah. At 16, she was moved from the predominantly male facility to an all-women's facility, obviously for her protection and for theirs. Yeah, honestly, probably more for probably theirs. Probably more the latter. At this point. Because be, actually, she was a rebellious prisoner and was punished very often, but she soon adapted to the new life in the all-women's sanitarium. And Mary said, what I had to do was, yes, continue to fight the system, but I had to graduate from being a prisoner to being a con. And that meant that rather than being open and angry, I had to be closed and crafty. She also decided to go, quote-unquote, butch. I guess adopt a more male, masculine mm-hmm. appearance. And when her mother heard her that she had done this, her mother said, <laughs> wow, sorry, her mother said, Jesus Christ, what next? You're a murderer and now you're a lesbian. See, this is like, this family is just so backwards. Like, Fucked what? Yeah, up. so clearly her mother just had like all kinds of issues. And, and like Matt said, Mary was like kind of like a chameleon, which I do, like I said, believe is a trait of sociopathy. They're able to adapt to their environment. Very much so. It very much is, Lisa. And I'm glad you pointed that out because that's one of the things we highlighted earlier that I'm glad we touched back on right now because this is where it comes to the surface is that Mm -hmm. as you get older, it manifests into, well, how do I get in with this crowd? Which is going to go into what later happens with the sentencing with the eye for an eye, which we'll get back to again. Yes, we will. Oh, it's just all so loose. It's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. Skin crawl. Hope you guys are still fo- like following along. This is a doozy of one, and we're getting to 
present day soon, but we just want to go over this, the rest of this stuff right. as well because it's important. Right. It's important to know everything the person went through to make a, um, a sound decision on what you believe. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you guys have to hear some of this shit it, it, to really understand. Because it, it all ties in. And so in September of 1977, Mary actually briefly escaped for three days from Moore Court Open Prison, where she was being held after being transferred from a young offender's institution. Uh, she was out for those three days and nights, and while she was, she had met two boys with whom she spent the night. Uh, and actually this placed Mary back in the spotlight as she had lost her virginity. So this was something that obviously was an event in her life and gained her some notoriety, probably through her mother's exploits. Uh, The only penalty that she faced for breaking out was the loss of privileges within prison for less than a month, 28 days. So she didn't really suffer too much from that. Got a couple days, sounds like, of some sex and partying. Uh, So good for Mary for having a weekend away. A little tra-ja-la. I'm sorry. Good for Mary for having a little weekend away. A little, uh, little weekend out of captivity. It was never hurt anybody. It was the 80s, man. You know, whatever. It was the 70s. It was even better. It was the 70s. You know, we missed a good time. Um, so anyways, Mary was then moved to a hostel a few months before she was paroled in 1980. Now, granted, okay, mind you, this is 12 years after she was sentenced to an indefinite sentence. So she was in prison for 12 years uh, serving this sentence that could have been life, could have been much less, but... Honestly, at the time, she was young, so I'm assuming they took that into account. Mm -hmm. Uh, So she actually was moved to a hostel a few months before her parole in 1980 and met a married man who got her pregnant there. He said, and I'm quoting Mary here, he said he was determined to show me that I wasn't a lesbian. Why does it always come back to that? I have no idea. What is with men thinking that they can, like, suddenly transform lesbian women into liking dick. Like, that's not how the world works. And people do that to my best friends all the time, and I do not understand it. I just don't the, It's the same either. kind of mindset with, like, people, like, being homophobic and thinking just because someone likes a man means they're, like, a, like a man likes a man or a woman likes a woman means they're going to hit on you because you're the same sex as them. That is not how it works. You can't convert someone you dudes can't even talk to straight girls you should probably stop trying to talk to lesbians <laughs> shout out like no she doesn't want your dick she doesn't like your dick girls do it better than she it. doesn't like you man <laughs> i resent that a little bit i like to think i'm fighting the good fight but all right we'll call it a day. we'll call it a day on that one <laughs> yeah but sorry, I just had to break in, but go on with what she said about it. We appreciate it. the commentary, though, honestly. A little lighthearted banter. It's just so annoying. I, so, like I hate when guys are like, no, I'm going to turn her not to be lesbian. Like, fuck no, you're not, because she likes women, and she likes vagina, and she likes tits, and she likes the personality of girls, not yo nasty ass, crusty Lise, ass Lise, dick. Lise, 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 <laughs> bring it down. Bring it down. It's going to be okay. Go on. Who are you calling crusty? Ew, I hate that word. I don't know why I even said that. I don't either. I'm kind of grossed out. So, anyways, sorry. What Mary said. He said he was determined to show me I wasn't a lesbian. It was hard for me not to think of sex as dirty. So, later on when she found out she was pregnant, she actually had a moral crisis as a result of this because she realized that if she's thinking of sex as dirty, but that's how she got pregnant, 
I think it's honestly, this is what she led. But if I think that almost the first thing I did after 12 years in prison for killing two babies was to kill the baby in me. So, if you can deduce what happened there, decipher Mary actually had an abortion. And, um, I don't know our listeners' views, and I'm sure they differ vastly from each other, which is absolutely fine. They are. Um, but I do think... not get into that debate here. No, I do think, in this case, this is the first decision that Mary made that wasn't selfish. I agree. I mean, obviously, she could have made different decisions that were also not selfish, like adoption as well. But in this particular case, I think she wasn't selfish. I think she she actually, for the first time maybe in her life, thought out this scenario. Without even mentioning the A-word, abortion, we are talking about this decision. For Mary. For Mary. This is and, not, and, and not, not a selfish decision. A, yeah, this is not a... This I, is not I, I don't believe this was... An unselfish decision. No, I think for the like I said, I think for the first time in maybe her entire life, she actually sat down, thought about what would happen if I did X, Y, and Z versus X, Y, and Z, and she right. made the decision the that right. actually made sense for her situation. I agree with you. And again, we are not getting into yeah. the abortion discussion where it's appropriate and whatnot here. Lisa and I, I think, agree on that for the large part. Yeah. I don't think we need to get into it. No, so. It's, it's more of a... It's a personal decision for every single scenario. Exactly. And, and I, who am I to tell you what to do with you and your body? And who am I to impose how I feel about it onto anybody else? So, and we won't use this platform to share our views beyond that. That's yeah. what, that's all we'll say So about we it. just, in Mary Bell's situation, we think for the first time she did really kind of review her options and make the option that felt right for her. And for the first time, wasn't self... self uh, wasn't about her. Self-focused. Yeah, wasn't self-focused. Wasn't Self-consumed. Yeah. Might have been a more appropriate. So if you didn't figure out from Matt's lead-up to that quote, Mary Bell, of course, at age 23 in 1980, was released from Ackham... Ah, fucking shit, how do you say that? Ascam Grange Open Prison. After having served 12 years, remind you, for two murders, and was granted... Anonymity. Anonymity. Fucking A. Why can't I pronounce things that I know how to pronounce? It's okay. It happens. Yeah. She was granted anonymity. Fucking. Anonymity. 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 So, on top of that, anonymous. <laughs> Indubitably. How do you say it? Anonymity. Anonymity. <laughs> I will read this. Oh, many, me, 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 me. Okay, read that part because I can't say the fucking word. All right, let's just start from here. In 1980, <laughs> Mary, at age 23, was released from Askham Grange Open Prison after having served a 12-year sentence for two murders, mind you, and was granted anonymity, including a new name, allowing her to start her life anew. Very, very interesting. Her first job was actually... <laughs> you're not going to believe this, to work in a local children's nursery. But the probation officers deemed this inappropriate work for her, probably because she had vandalized one at one point in her life. Uh, She turned to shoplifting in what she believed was a subconscious effort to be taken back to prison where she felt safer. Uh, So she was obviously still somewhat affiliated with the life of crime and couldn't really find a better alternative. But she did eventually find waitressing jobs 
and attended school but at, at university, but was a little obviously downtrodden based on her life mm-hmm. and was too discouraged to continue and pursue that. So Which is kind of sad. Yeah, I it mean, is. <clears throat> we'll talk about how I feel about her in this case and everything that's going on now, but I do... F- she is out of jail and we can't turn that around, and it is kind of sad that she did try to pursue an education for herself, which not saying people without educations can't be successful. No. Because they, the most successful people in this, in oh, this world in this world aren't educated, mm-hmm. um, a higher education. A lot so of So that's them. not what I'm saying, but I do, it does make me kind of empathetic or sad that she was too discouraged to stick with university. But you have to think, I don't think she had normal schooling. She was most likely, I mean, she was like, not most likely she was brought up in the prison system. So it's a little, I don't know, it just makes me a little sad. Sorry, Matt, go on. I forgot. No, you're good. No, I, I appreciate okay. that. I totally, it makes me sad. I totally agree with you. I mean, it, it's obviously a circumstance and a result of what happened to her leading up to that, I think, you know? I don't think she was at any point expecting to even wind up in school, let alone get there and then have the chance. But, yeah, unfortunately, that's just the way it is sometimes. But I'm sorry. So, anyways... Uh, after that, she moved back in with her mother and met a young man and became pregnant once again. Uh, there was some concern over whether the woman who had murdered two children should be able to become a mother, obviously, amongst the community. We will. Yeah, we'll go into that because that's obviously a little bit concerning. Uh, but she fought for the right to keep her child, and she did win that right. And on May 25th, she had a daughter in 1984. Yeah. There was some redeeming thing in her life there, at least for a short period of time. Yeah, and so, obviously, they're living not under the name Mary Bell, and whatever her daughter's name is, that has never, ever been released, obviously, because it's court-ordered to never be released. So Mary's daughter didn't have any idea of her mother's past, of course, because why in the world would your mom be like, hey, I killed two little boys when I was little, and I also have a lot of um, tendencies that aren't, very productive, <laughs> conducive to society all the time. Um, and I was in jail for the first half of my life. Why would anyone say that? But basically, obvi- basically, obviously, Mary's case has always and still is very, 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 very much so um, an anomaly to people because of the age. She was young, and not only because of the age, but because of the traits associated with what she did. She didn't seem to feel any empathy. She didn't seem to be remorseful for her crimes. Obviously, she took two lives, and she seemed to brag. It's just all all of the things leading up to her, well, like, all the things in her past made her an, an infamous person in, in England. Right, and in her so hometown, I'm because sure. Because of that, I think reporters made it their, <laughs> their damn life plan to figure out what stranger walking among us is Mary Bell. Because she's given a new name, she's given a new identity, she's protected under the law, but she's a, she's amongst us. This little killer, child killer, is amongst us as we speak, walking, she's, she could be eating next to you in the restaurant. So basically what had happened is reporters happened to track her down in 1998. Now mind you, her daughter was born in 1984, this was 1998, so her daughter was about 14 years old when the reporters found her. And this ended up forcing Mary and her daughter to leave their house with bedsheets over their head and to have to move. Mary's daughter's anonymity... 
anonymity. Fucking hate my life. Whatever. Um, was originally protected only until she reached the age of 18. However, on May 21st, 2003, everything seems to happen in May in this case. I don't understand. Like, get out of my birthday month. Um, Mary Bell did win a high court battle to have her own... Take it away. Say the word. Anonymity. <laughs> and that of her daughters extended for life. Of course, she won, as I said. And now any court order permanently protecting the identity of a convict in Britain is consequently sometimes known as a Mary Bell order, which is just a lot. Yeah, they gave her a name. Yeah, they named protecting a killer's identity the Mary Bell order, which I have some thoughts about later. Mary still implicates Norma to this day as having some responsibility in Brian Howe's death. They don't, I don't think they talk much about Martin Brown's death, but in Brian House, she does say Norma did participate. And she actually even said, and I quote, the weaker makes the other stronger by being weak. And that was her defense in being the stronger of the two because it was noted even though Norma was older, Mary Bell was the ringleader. Like that is, that's a quote to ponder, it really is. The weaker makes the other stronger by being weak. It is. Let that resonate for a second. I've never that like that is so well put because it it makes sense. That's you always see, you know, pairs. One is the alpha, one is the I don't want to say beta because that reminds me of fish. One is the alpha dog and one is the underdog, the pussy dog. <laughs> the bitch. The bitch. So she she still says that. So let's bring it up to present day. Now in two thousand and nine, so eleven years ago. It was reported that Mary Bell had become a grandma. Mm-hmm. Now, where a lot of these quotes have come from that me and Matt have read that have come directly from Mary Bell came from a book, well, two books, published by author Gitta Cerny. And the books are called The Case of Mary Bell, which was released in 1972, and an account of the killings and the trial Cries Unheard, the story of Mary Bell, which was released in 1998. Now, Cries Unheard is the one that most people familiar with this case are familiar with because it drew a lot of controversy because it was reported that Mary Bell received 50,000 pounds for her participation in the book Cries Unheard. Mm -hmm. Now, this pisses people off still to this day when people who committed crimes, especially heinous ones such as murder profit off of the crimes and basically that is what cries unheard was doing it was it was uh playing to, it was much like um Issei Sagwa's case if yes. you haven't listened to that episode go back and check it out it's very it's it's all to do with this it's all about profiting <laughs> I'm so what's happening to me it's all about profiting like why criminals should not be able to profit off of their crimes mm-hmm. so check out Issei Sagwa's case that we cover we have a lot of opinions about that but It did draw a lot of controversy, and it's sad because if you read some of the articles about Mary Bell's case, Martin Brown and Brian Howe's families have spoken up, obviously, about the fact that, one, she gets to live anonymously with her daughter, live a normal life. No one is allowed to um, call her by that name. She she has a completely different identity, still walking the streets today in Mm -hmm. England. Mm -hmm. She is around. She could probably be listening to this because I don't know what she does in her spare time Mm -hmm. because we do have listeners. Shout out to our listeners over the pond. We love y'all. What's up? We love you. Let us know if you know Mary Bell and point her our way. We'd love to talk to her. We'd love to give her a shout. Um, 
but she it she is walking around right now as we speak as a grandma and her daughter obviously is around which has nothing to do with the crime her daughter should not be punished for her mother's um, indiscretions but it was interesting to note that through my research I found that Mary Bell has had three assumed identities and has moved or reported five times after being identified every single time she's tried to move because you have to think she was released when she was 23 and at that point she was still Mary Bell, and so people had seen her picture, seen her photo. And I know you change a lot from, like, 23 to 53, but you still kind of look the same, and I think people know who they're looking for. People know generally where she's living, and I'm sure people in the town know of her, know I mean, who I'm she is. I'm assuming she didn't move that far. Yeah, how far could you really get? So... So that is the case of Mary Bell. Now let's talk about it. So I have a few questions, and I did actually reach out to some Facebook um, groups that I'm in to get their opinions as well, which I want to share. But first, let's talk about the questions to ponder. So the questions that I want to stick with Matt for to think about before I read the Facebook comments and before he gives his comments on these questions. First question to ponder is, did Mary Bell outgrow her need to kill? Can you outgrow your need to kill? Now, medical experts do not believe that sociopaths can be quote-unquote cured. However, some do speculate aggressive tendencies quiet down with age and they learn to conform to society. They learn, Like Matt said, they're kind of like con artists. They are con artists. That's a trait of a con artist. They learn how to adapt to their environment and, and create an environment that suits their needs. Exactly. And then the second question I want to ponder and I want your guys' opinions on both listeners and Matt's here in a second. Would Mary have become a serial killer? And do we think if Mary Bell was raised in a different environment, she would have still had these traits, would have still become a criminal? Basically, is being a sociopath or having psychopathy tendencies, is that nature or nurture? Now, the little bit of research I did for the would Mary have become a serial killer... Basically, she showed no signs of being satiated after murdering Brian. So it seemed as if she if she had not have been caught, it does seem from all reports and all accounts and from all the police papers, it does seem like they did think she would try to murder again. Now, I believe a serial killer is defined as killing over two people. I don't know if that's true, so quote me or at me if I'm wrong. We're also on Twitter, I for iPod. Hit us up. Um... But I do believe a serial killer is defined as killing more than one per- or more than two people, and she killed two. So it is believed that because she showed no signs at that point in time of slowing down, it if she hadn't gotten caught, people do believe she would have been um, indicted in more yes. crimes. Now she was violent towards animals, as we saw. An- she was violent towards animals, as we saw with the cat. Um, she was a chronic bedwetter until her adult years. And while she hadn't set fires, she did destroy property in her brief career as a murderer, right? She she vandalized a nursery. Nursery. She was always around these, like, rebel areas, and it looks like she, you know, helped create more catastrophe over there. So those familiar with the McDonald triad, these are three symptoms of people who have these traits that become violent. And um, they characterize serial killers. And this is also a reason people believe that she could have graduated to becoming a serial killer because mm-hmm. she has these traits. She didn't have... Um, it doesn't seem like she had any plans of slowing down. And it does show through you know research that Mary preyed on victims weaker than herself. She she killed little boys. 
Um, and she hurt Norma, who is physically weaker than she was. Mm-hmm. And these girls on the playground, she choked them out. I'm guessing they were smaller than she was. And the little boy that she, you know, attacked on the top of the airy thing, that guy was smaller than her. And after the murders, she was always interjecting herself into the crime investigation. Yes. We talked about that. That is something that seems to be a trend with serial killers or people with these tendencies. So let's really quickly, I want to just read, there's only a few comments, and then Matt, I want to hear what your thoughts are on the eye for an eye, and then we'll wrap this guy up. Absolutely. So wasn't this a wild one? This is just gets, it's just crazy. So um, let me pull up really quick the ideas on the... So I did pose the same kind of questions I'm posing to Matt right now because I want Matt's opinion on these as well. As he said, he is um, newer to this case. And it's a wild one, isn't it? Don't you think? I think it's absolutely (laughs) off the wall, man. I mean... Yeah. Anything involving children, you always have to consider. And we're going to have a lot more than this, and that's the scary thing, is this is not an isolated case. No. By any means. And this is... That's the scary thing. It's like, how do we... Is this nature or nurture? That's... It's, it's always such, yeah, it's such a constantly so, churning debate. So before I get Matt's opinions and we wrap this up with our thoughts on an eye for an eye here, I posed a question um, saying, my podcast, An Eye for an Eye, is gearing up to cover Mary, the case of Mary Bell. It's a case that's always fascinated me, obviously due to her age. Now I'm curious what you guys think. She was young and had a horrible upbringing. However, she displayed such sociopathic traits that I have a hard time believing someone like her could ever be totally reformed, especially due to my research that most people believe that people who are sociopaths are not cured. It's just they learn how to... They adapt. So, it seems she's laid low since she's been a grandma somewhere in England and has stayed low profile through all my research. Because you would think if she committed any other offenses... It does say in some of the research that she tried to rob a place to go back to jail because that's where she felt safe. But that was at a young age. That was still when she was, like, 16 or whatever, um, or 23, or, like, right when she was out of jail. And that speaks volumes. She felt safer in jail, in jail. than being she out of jail. institutionalized. So through all my research, many believe sociopathy is not something that can be cured or really go away. Thoughts. Now, we had great comments on this and great conversations, and I want to read a few of them before I get Matt's opinions to those very same questions. So Joy said, I have a really tar- <laughs> Joy said, I have a really hard time thinking that someone that can commit a murder so emotionless can be cured. I think they can learn how to control their urge to murder, maybe just knowing that they will be locked up again. I feel I still feel they would never be able to value other people's lives because they are so detached from those feelings. And then she said, which made me happy, your podcast is super interesting. I can't wait to hear your perspective on this case, which I loved. And I said to Matt because I got so fucking excited. Thank you, Joy. We love you. And we're so excited that you listen and like our podcast. And we'd love to have you on the show if you are willing, which technically right now you kind of are, but like like speaking on the show. So come on out and join us. Let us know. Then April said, I haven't heard of an eye for an eye. Boo. Just kidding. You have now. Thank you for checking us out. But I am checking it out. I don't know how to feel about Mary Bell. I mean, in general, in terms of people um, can change. Oh, in general, people can change so much during a lifetime. But transform from a sociopathic killer to a functioning, a functioning safe member of society? I have a hard time believing that, no matter what age. If you didn't have the empathy during your developmental years... Can that be learned? Crazy case. And then the last comment we received, 
was from Bree. Thank you, Bree, for sharing your input. She said, Mary Bell was subjected to a demoralizing and traumatizing childhood in which she had absolutely no voice and no worth. She acted out in such shockingly and aggressive and sociopathic manner that led me feeling confused as it to being more of a case of nature versus nurture, which is what we talked about. Yes. She and her accomplice are both very interesting girls. I haven't listened to your podcast yet, but this piques my interest. Off to subscribe, which we love. We love you guys. We're so excited that you guys are willing to check us out and give us the time of day. We're, we love you guys. Thank you for your input, and thank you. And I responded to her just pretty much saying what I said in this podcast, and she said, um, that has been the question that has left me so interested in Mary Bell in the case. Because I said, if Mary Bell had grown up in a loving environment, would she have had all these traits and murder tendencies? For me, my feelings on this case, I said I think it's empathy versus psychology, which I'll explain in a second because that has to do with the way I feel about this case. Now, she said back to me, that has been the question, which is why I was started this with. That has been the question that has left me so interested in Mary Bell in this case. With such a horrific amount and depth of abuse, I can't help but wonder would she have been ra- if she had been raised in a loving environment, how she would be. The fact that she has seemingly gone f- on to a quote-unquote normal life including her own kids and grandkids, leaves the question, did she learn how to mimic society's acceptable behaviors? Or, once taken out of the conditions of depravity, did her inner, inner demons disappear? Boom! All right, Matt, let's talk about it. Let's do it. And also, thank you guys for your input. We love you. Thank you so much for your input. We really do. Be on the it. show. Call us. We Please. want you. All right. Uh, eye for an eye. Lisa, lead us off. So, um, in my comment back to Brie when I was discussing this case, I really think this case for me is a huge game of tug of war between empathy and psychology and research. Now, what I mean by that is I've always said, and I've said it before in this podcast, I do sometimes feel like I have misplaced empathy. Not necessarily in this case, but I always find myself trying to relate to the person committing the crime. Mm-hmm. trying to relate to the victims of the crime. And and that's why I'm always so torn in some of these cases, especially this one, because I think about it both from Mary Bell's perspective. She was not given a fair shake when she was born. She wasn't. She wasn't born into a stable environment at all. She was born into a very heavily abusive environment. Um, but on the other side of that, I think of Brian and Martin's families. How in the world do they feel this little girl took away a member of their family in a savage way, in a savage way, and is now living a life um, outside of, you know, bars. Like, you know, and, and like I've said before, a lot of research that I've done, people believe that people with the traits of Mary Bell cannot be cured, which means that somewhere deep down inside, whether it's depressed or not, those are still there. What's stopping her? And, like, clearly, like I said, she's been out of the limelight. She hasn't been in trouble with the law that anyone has known of. I mean, I guess she doesn't have the same name, but I think it would be found out very quick if Mary Bell started committing more crimes. I think we'd know right away, obviously, but at the same time, it's tough to say... Mm-hmm. How will we? How do we accuse her? I mean, unless she yeah. implicates herself. Yeah. If she was committing crimes, that she might still be committing crimes. Yeah, we would know because she's not Mary Bell anymore. Exactly. I'm so curious what her fucking name is, but I think it would be like something super stupid. You know, how can an FBI like what did they? What are they going to call it? Greta, Greta, Greta Jones. What like, would it be like something moved, normal? What if she moved to Italy and changed her name to Bella Maria? Ooh, that's pretty. Why would you give her such a beautiful name? Because it's the exact opposite of Mary Bell. I hate you. Oh my god, why didn't I say that? 
Oh, that would have been so funny, though. I don't think she's out of England, though. I, I do love the name Bella so. Maria, though. That's beautiful, which I hate you now because now I can't think of that without thinking of Mary Bell. Mm-hmm. So, basically, I for an eye for me on this case, um, hard to say, really is. I don't, I think the Her Majesty's thing, serving, what, 13, 12, 13 years yeah. in prison, yeah. I do think that was good, however... I think she should have been court ordered to see like a, a psychotherapist yes. or a therapist for an extended period of time. Because you have to think there's no notes to say that she got out of jail and was followed up on. It's like she was got out of jail, given a new identity, and then thrown out on the streets and said gone. And even she said in the book Cries Unheard that she thought about committing other crimes because she wanted to be put back in jail because she did not know how to function in society as a productive member. But I guess she figured it out. I don't know. But yeah, I do her think, institutionalization must have worn off. Yeah, I think the the problem for me here is, I first of all, I think, I think it's not fair to the families of these young boys that they don't get to know what her name is. Now I understand for her safety and her child's safety and her granddaughter's safety that that's super necessary because she committed heinous crimes that were very popularized. So I'm sure the people in the town that she lives in are not going to be kind. However, I think it's scary, and I've, I've heard interviews with um, Martin Brown's mom and Brian Howe's family that says that they don't get any closure because they could be eating at your pub, and they don't know if Mary Bell's next to them. She knows what they look like, but they don't know what she looks like anymore. And that's something I read in in my research of this that's so prominent to me because I put myself in that family's shoes if someone killed someone in my family and they got out eventually and got to live anonymously under a different name under a pseudonym for the rest of their lives and don't have to follow up with any kind of authority although I think because she's in like the equivalent of witness protection she would have to follow up with someone but I think for me I think of it, like, from the perspective, like, I understand we need to keep her family safe because her daughter and her granddaughter did not do anything to deserve being harassed by the town people. But I do think that at least the victim's families deserve to at least know her whereabouts, what town she lives in, what she looks like now, maybe not her name, but just so they can be aware because how bone-chilling would that be to have to walk around every single day not knowing if the person sitting next to you is the one who violently killed your your son at a young age so that's my feelings on it I do think her sentence I suppose made enough sense but I do wish there would have been some sort of follow-up with a psychologist for maybe a lifetime like I do think especially because they say sociopaths cannot be cured I do think it's very important that these this why would she not have to follow up if she's a danger why would she brain. not be in constant communication with somebody that can check on her? I mean, even yeah. if she's not having a psychotic break, she might mm. be... Having feelings or thoughts. Right. She could be having some sickening thoughts and not be able to act on them and then decide one day to act on them. Yeah. You know? So, what do you think? Well, I'll say this. As far as eye for an eye goes, I feel like for two murders, she got off light. Oh, yeah. But we also have to take into account she was only a child when and this her happened. her past as well. Her past is obviously so heartbreaking. And, I mean, nature versus nurture is a debate that could go on forever. But I think it's simple to say here, 
her upbringing had to have something to do with what her life became, at least in the early stages. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say this, and I wanted to touch on it earlier, but I'm glad to be able to bring it back up now, too, is that whole idea of until the queen is done with you or whatever that <laughs> sentence yeah, is. Yeah, her majesty. Her majesty, by her majesty's leave. Uh, that's kind of scary. Could you imagine that if somebody had been like, well, we don't know exactly how long, but we're keeping you here. So, like, you know, at least here, you get 20 years or you get five, but that's a minimum. And then, like, from there, you're like, all right, I'm counting down. Like, dude, you could be on year 15, and they're like, no, motherfucker, we still got you. Like, you can't leave yet. I agree. I think that sentence was perfect for this case. Yeah, that was actually kind of... The between that. Right. It's so funny, I never... Yeah, right. I mean, uh, the, just the psychological aspect of that, of being sitting in a cell and being like, am I ever getting out of here? <laughs> like, in the U.S. justice system, at least they tell you, like, no, Good we idea, are, yeah. look. You have a rough estimate of when you're going to be. LWOP, life without parole. You are never getting out of here. So <laughs> hunker down, dude. Or they might even here's tell you, here's parole in 25 years. Or they might tell you, we're killing you on this day. Yeah. Wow, that's so funny. That you, you know, that isn't that, so like, I think that's actually kind of an, uh, I hate to say appropriate sentence, but at the same time, it's also like chilling and it would probably have some, some effect on you, like as far as but the deterrence. Would it be a positive effect or would it be a negative effect? That would deter me from ever wanting that sentence again. <laughs> like, we don't know how long, you might be out in two weeks, we you might be out in 20 episode, years. Like a short, like mini episode on all of the sentences that have gotten that as the sentence, because I've never heard of it before. I've never really either, yeah. I mean, I'm interested though, yeah, I would agree. So, anyways, <laughs> that's so um, fucking funny. I know, I know. So I it, love that you brought that up because that's not something I was like thinking of even. Yeah, it was very off the wall. But I was, I was reading over this case. I was like, I love man, it. that's I love weird. It. And that would, that would freak me out. Yeah. You know, the uh, just the unknowing of it all. The the anonymity mean? of it. Yeah, all. yeah. Fuck that word. <laughs> For lack of the word. Anonymous. Fucking. Anonymous. I can't do it. Uh, I can say anonymous, but I can't say anonymous. I know. Well, that's why, because you sound anonymous out as anonymous instead of anonymous. Fuck so, all of that. I know. Whatever. But as far as an eye for an eye goes, well, you know what? I hope. Mary found a life. However, I don't it believe... sounds like she did. sounds like she did. And I she want to is, know her name. That's all I want. I know. I don't even want to hunt her down. I just want to know, like, what bogus-ass name they gave her. Yeah. Shirley Temple. Yeah. Well, that was a famous person, but, you know, Shirley Jones. Joan Cleaver. I wonder yeah. if they gave her a stupid-ass name. Like, do you think she ever got one of the names? I was like, the fuck is this? Like, I'm not being called, like, Beatrice Dick. You are, n- you are not calling me this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So can we redo this one? Thank yeah. you. Um, but, no, anyways, I, I, as far as sociopathy goes, it's incurable, as far as I'm concerned. I've never seen a case where somebody can just turn that off. It's not a mm-hmm. switch, you know? Um, it's typically more likely, I think, that she would have blended in and found a way to make her life amongst the people she was living with in a community without necessarily... Maybe it is that uh, attribution of she was young, didn't really experience like anything after killing two people that would have made her think, oh, this is something I want to keep doing. Yeah. You know? So maybe she did grow out of it, and she's not technically a serial killer, but at the same time, it also gives me the willies to think that somebody who was so young and so violent 
What's that? We could visit England right now and be next door and not know. Oh, her. yeah. We could be walking around with her. I mean, That's you know. the part that's creepy. Like, but I, I get it why, but it's still so creepy to me. So you think she... I think the sentence she got for her... Her <laughs> Majesty's pleasure. Yeah, at Her Majesty's discretion or whatever that is. I think that was an appropriate <laughs> sentence. I'll say that. I, I love I, that you brought that. I really do. I, I, I really think, like, I was thinking about this when we were talking about the case, and I was like, I think that is kind of an appropriate sentence. Yeah. Maybe the 13 years was a little light, or yeah. the 12 years, whatever. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> those 13 years had to suck, man. Like, if you, the, if 12 and a half of those were bent being like, we are not letting you out of here, you'd be like, Fuck, for real? Like, yeah. ever? Like, I'm 20, and she, yeah. yep, that sucks. You're only eight years in, bitch. Like, you know, we got you now. Like, at a young age, that's a horrifying thing. Like, if you're 70, and they're like, yeah, we might keep you here forever. Like, fuck you, I'm dying next month. So, at 12, like 13, I'm nervous, y'all. I'm like, wait, what? What do you mean? I was having, I was banking on 20 years, man. And then being out of here so I could run for president, you know? Like, that's wild. It really is. So I'm sorry. Like, I guess I, I found it a little humorous, but at the same time, it's it's crazy to me that Scary. that was her sentence. Like, that would freak me out if I was a kid. I'd be like, wait. It's freaking you out now. It's bugging me out now. Like, you see, I'm sort of having, like, a meltdown here. I'm like, wait, I don't, I'm, like, you guys can see me now. My legs are crossed. My arms are crossed. I'm like, I'm all clenched up, man. I'm nervous. I'm like, I don't want to be in jail for that. Who knows how much time? What the? You know what I'm saying? I don't want this. I took a picture and I'm definitely posting it when we release this case. Please do, because I, I, I really don't, yeah, I didn't like that. To hear that about that, I was like, ooh, that's that's unsettling. What but, do you think about Norma's sentence? Do you think that was fair? I, we didn't talk about that, really. We really didn't. Uh Mary a- gets so much of the focus because she's obviously mm-hmm. like the alleged killer, but yeah. I don't know. Mary, I mean, according to Mary, Norma was there doing and, everything and participate, and she Minus was older. The carving is what they said. Right, right. Because Mary she went, went back. back and mutilated the body. Right. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if she should have been sentenced as a child to jail time for yeah. having a creepy friend. I think what happened to her was pretty just. Yeah. Because she did get the three months probation or whatever and had to see a psychiatrist, which I don't understand why Mary didn't have to see. Well, I guess technically, like, while she was in jail, she did, but... The confusing thing for me was only that she was there for everything else, Mm -hmm. except mutilating the body. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was even there to see him be killed. Yeah, she watched both of them. Brian Howe be killed. Oh, yeah, she was and there for both. Mom. And, yeah, okay, so, I mean, yeah, she was there, you know. I mean, like, that's what... Allegedly. That's but at the same time, know, you know, any staunch... Guess, any think st- about the, like, Mary's scary. Like, can you imagine as a kid watching your friend kill someone? Would you, like, obviously, now we'd be like, oh, no, we're not fucking with you anymore. But, like, can you imagine... And, and she choked her out, too. Right. So here's the thing. So I, I'm glad you mentioned that, at least, because think about it. We as adults have a hard enough time manipulating... Or, I'm sorry, identifying manipulative people. Mm-hmm. Think about as a child how mm-hmm. difficult that must have been for her to see your best friend doing these things and then... Her being a strong enough personality to tell you, it's okay, we're going to be fine. Here's what you got to say. Yeah. And you don't, you know, you're just a kid. She was a kid. Yeah. So I think her sentence was fair, too. Yeah, I don't really. It's also scary. I'm sure it was so scary for Norma because Mary had choked her before. Right. The threat of violence was already there. It was real. Yeah, she's showing, you fucked this up. 
I'm coming after your ass next. Absolutely. I don't even, I, I'm confused as to why she choked her in the first place, but it seems like it was to show her, Yeah. don't you fuck this up. It's a power. I can get your ass too. Power thing, for sure. So I definitely, I think Norma sent us, made sense. And I wonder, you know what I'm curious about? Two things that I just thought of. So Mary and her whole, her fucking daughters and everything are living under pseudonyms. What about Norma Bell? And what about Betty? Uh, what's her name? mom? Betty Bell. Yeah. Do you think they still have their real names, or do you think because they're associated so closely with Mary? Or better yet, do you think they know what Mary Mary's Bell? name is? I don't. I don't know. I don't think they're allowed. I mean, I guess like if you're putting the witness protection program, I guess that's like kind of similar to what was going on with being granted um, being anonymous. Shut the fuck up. Being anonymous. Um, do you think, like, your family's allowed to know your name and your whereabouts, especially if your family is part of the problem? Uh, well, I know in the Witness Protection Program, they bring your immediate family with you if you're sent away. Does that count grandparents? I don't know about that. Honestly, I don't believe so. Like, I'm curious if Mary's mom knows who she is anymore. I don't know. We'd have to look at that. Do you think she would want, do you think Mary would want to maintain contact with No, I'm pretty sure that I read that, like, Mary does not forgive her mom, and her mom tries to reach out, but she can't. But I don't remember. But, like, do you think it'd be scary being Norma Bell at the age of 24 when Mary got out of jail at 23, knowing Mary got out of jail? Knowing yeah. this. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. You know what? That makes me think she might have. killed two people. She might have changed her name. Yeah. And gone through that process at that point just to get... We'll have to do, like, a little mini, tiny, like, five-second update if we can find it. If we can find more info. Yeah, definitely. Isn't that curious? Very much so. And, like, if you were, like, Martin Brown's family or Brian House family, like I mentioned before, or Norma Bell, like, I feel like it's so unfair to not be able to identify who Mary is. Can you imagine having someone in your family be viciously murdered by a little girl? The little girl's now out of jail living in probably in your town and you have no fucking clue what they look like anymore because now they're an adult and two and two if they're fucking next to you could be anybody and, and the and the thing that like i said that stuck out to me about the research i did regarding brian howe's family's thoughts on it and um, martin brown's family's thoughts on it the thing that stuck out the most to me is they said i don't remember which one it was but they said it's so unfair and it's like living with this crime over and over again every day because Mary Bell knows what we look like. We don't know what she looks like. Right. Ah, that's so scary. That is that's creepy. That's so. Is this not making you just like, oh, give me the willies? Like, that's fuck creepy. That. To like me. that's so creepy. Like she knows what they look like because they don't fucking. They're already adults. They didn't right. change. Right. You know what I? Ew. <laughs> I hate the way you look right now. You're creeping me out. <laughs> it's fucking me out a little bit, honestly. It's kind of a weird, eerie thought that somebody. Uh, like okay. that's why. Like, like I said, I understand her daughter and her granddaughter, and obviously her because of the protection of her kids. But, like, I feel like at least... I think I don't think this is even possible. I don't think this is a real thing. But I think the immediate family of the victims should be allowed to know the name and the whereabouts of the person. Well, wow, However, they the should people. be under a legal contract to not be able to let it out so they can live, like... Oh, not live a normal life, but so they cannot be harassed every single day of their lives. I was going to say, though, if you give that information, those are the people that might be most likely to exact revenge. Yeah. Well, I think we can both agree this case had a lot of open ends. Yeah. Lots of Please let us know what you guys think. There's so many questions. 
we don't have answers. Mary Bell, if you're listening to this, I don't know what your name is. I'd like to know. Even if you just want to, like, send us an anonymous Facebook message. <laughs> Add us on Facebook, Bella Maria. Just let out you. How creepy would it be if, like, someone random Facebook messaged us and we're like... Right now. And just said their name. That's it. Like, just said, my name is blank. With no context. Wouldn't that be creepy? Like, my name is... Hey, if one of you fuckers does that, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It'd be funny. But, okay, so that was this week's case. It's definitely one that sticks with you. It gives you so many questions. Yeah. You have to ponder age, nature versus nurture, empathy, sociopathy, psychological analyses, um, victims' rights, criminals' rights, uh, whether or not they should be allowed to live under a pseudonym, whether or not the victim's family should have a right to know who who they are now, you know, whether or not they should have some limitations um, on where they can live in, in relation to the victims. Because I, I believe she does not have any, they don't have any restrictions. Their names are changed and they are living anonymously. And think hard about that sentence she received, too. I'd love to hear some <laughs> feedback on that. I want to know you Her guys. Her Majesty's think. fucking, I think it's Majesty's Pleasure. Hold on, I'm going to look it up. Her Majesty's Pleasure. I'm like, Her oh, that, that even sounds like, <laughs> what do you I'm mean? I'm obsessed like, with your, your obsession with that part. Uh, You're right, though. It's so, hold on. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just very no. unsettling to somebody like me. I'm not claustrophobic, but the idea of you have control over me for an indefinite amount of time. I'm like, what? Yeah, it's Her Majesty's Pleasure. It's pleasure. So it's Her Majesty's Pleasure. What's the queen into? (laughs) But that is a real... They should maybe start that in the U.S. I like that. Because then... One, it doesn't upset the families. Because although it... It does, but... Could go one of two ways. But... The psychological class, like, you're right. It could fuck with you for days. Like, oh, shit, I'm never doing anything again because I might be stuck here for 20 years or I might be stuck here for five, and it's a roll of the dice whether which one it is. Better not mess up to the fucking queen. To the queen herself. <laughs> Can you imagine if it was up to Trump? Fuck. Oh, God, um, I'd already be hanged. <laughs> well, please um, rate, review, and if you like us or hate us, subscribe if you want to hear more. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Obviously, we have a lot, and we're very confused. And I'm now freaking out about Her Majesty's Pleasure and her walking around this world without any um, identifying factors to who she is. Let us know what you think. We, we'd love to hear you. But please, if you hear this, write this second. Pause. Did you pause it? Pause again. And go rate, review, and subscribe. Or just rate and review. We need it. And, and like I said, we're on everything. We're on Now I've petitioned to get us everywhere. Our logo still sucks. So interjecting here real quick, I don't mean it sucks as in like our actual logo sucks. I mean it sucks in that I suck and for whatever reason I don't know the proper dimensions. Well now I do, but I didn't know the proper dimensions. So when uploading to different podcast directories, our logo wasn't the correct dimension so now it's that weird astronaut djing situation that's libsyn's default that's what i mean by sucking just wanted to let you know i love the person who created our logo and i'm obsessed with our logo which we are revamping but that like i said has nothing to do with me not liking our actual logo it's just our actual logo isn't on a lot of things so stay tuned because that's changing back to your scheduled program because I have to get that worked out because the dimensions weren't right. But basically, we're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on Podbean. We're on Stitcher. We're on Pocket Cast. We're on... 
Google Play. We're on, what else did I miss? We're on everything. So if you have a podcasting listening app, and for whatever reason you can't find iFry Podcast, try searching iFry Podcast Lisa and Matt, and if that doesn't pull it up, let us know, and we'll get on there. We're ready. We're willing. We love you all, and we're so excited to talk with you guys and get your guys' input. And, yeah, we're happy new year. I'm glad we're back, back in action, so you guys will be hearing a lot more from us this year. Thank you for all the love and support. Like I said, Mary Bell, please let us know your name. Um, well, Matt, I bid you adieu. Adios, amigo. I'm going to go home and go to bed. Good night, everybody. Amiga, for being honest. <laughs> Good night, guys. Good night. I, I don't know that she ever acknowledged uh, her offences, certainly not to me, not in the slightest, denied them. Um, almost didn't trouble to deny them, if you see what I mean. It was almost as though, you know, this just, this isn't, this isn't the relevant agenda, you know, um, dismissive of them. Even though she never admitted to the killing of the two boys, as she grew up, Mary was no longer considered to pose any threat to the community. In 1978, she was moved to Ascombe Grange Open Prison. Two years later, she was released, aged 23. There was no public outcry. Since then, she has built a new life with a new name. By law, her identity is protected from disclosure. She'd come out of it as a very balanced, sensible person and has sorted out her life with some ups and downs in it and I think has become uh, a very good citizen. Now, that shows it can be achieved. It can be achieved if time is taken over it and the skills are put in there and there is a real exchange of affection and interest in the person concerned, not simply as a case, but as a person.